and I hope I do that this morning. <laughs> um, really, I want to talk about just um, just a, a sense of this this Christian walk, like a, a journey, you know, a, a travelling, a moving forward, you know, and uh, and along that journey there are. Uh, time, times where you, you go up the mountain and it's really high uh, and you feel fantastic, right? And, and they're the moments that God is really revealing stuff to you and you're, you're close to God and everything makes sense. And you can see up on the mountain, you can see out and you can see it and you can see where you're going and what you're trying to get to. Uh, <clears throat> and that's great. <laughs> uh, and there are other times... <laughs> Uh, there are other times where you're down in the valley. That's how it feels inside anyway. You know, you can't see where you're going. You feel lost. You're not sure if it's that way or that way. Uh, there are times where, you, you know, uh, the, the ground beneath your feet feels boggy and it feels, I don't know, it just, there's a sense where this is hard. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what the point is anymore. I can't see where I'm going. We can feel like that, can't we? Uh, and I'll tell you what, my experience uh, of being a Christian and, and finding God and all that sort of thing is um, very much those fantastic moments. Uh, and a lot of them can happen uh, when you go to a Christian conference because what you do is you spend that whole time with God. <laughs> and you go and you spend time in meetings and God's presence is so real to you uh, and, and things become very clear. Uh, and this is my, my revelation for this sermon, that, that in God's presence, there is such clarity. Because when you're with him, it all makes sense. You can see who he is, and you can see who you are, and you can see where you need to go when you're in his presence. It all makes sense. God shines a light on it all. Uh, <clears throat> and when you're not, well, it's tough. Uh, and... Um, <clears throat> My testimony is, is one of someone who responds to God when he's with God and then carries on <laughs> and goes back into the valley and forgets all about God and then tries to do good anyway uh, and fails miserably and ends up completely miserable, feels like a failure, feels like I'm further back than where I started on the journey. And I don't know if you can feel like that sometimes and you feel like, what's the point? What's the point? I just, I just do not have any energy to keep fighting. I have no strength. I just, I just want to, <clears throat> I just want to give up. Basically, that would be much easier. And so we, we sometimes do, and we just take a seat by the roadside, and we think about poor old me, <laughs> and we don't keep moving, and things get stale and stagnant. And, and there's no freshness of God and there's no movement and nothing's flowing. And, and I want to talk about <clears throat> this morning how to avoid getting into that place. Uh, <clears throat> and in that place where we can't see where we're going. And I just, there's a couple of things, and, and particularly after a, a big conference, like we went to Aurora, many of us went, not everyone went, but uh, I'm sure if you didn't go and all the people came back, you just felt that buzz about they really felt that God did something in them. And, and he did. That's the truth. He did do something in them. Um, <clears throat> but the devil wants to steal that away. and He wants to 
plant his lies into our hearts again uh, and steal away all the good that God has done and all the clarity that God has given us and all that vision that God's given you for your life and, and what, what he wants you to do for him. He's given that to you and, uh, and if you keep looking at yourself and, and you, you can end up in a place where, oh, I don't really know anymore if I should do that. You know? And this morning I want to talk about how we can come to how how we can have a continual strength and a continual clarity and a continual reassurance to keep moving forward and how we can have a, a continual light the way and a continual vision to keep going okay uh, i see us very much like soldiers okay that's how i, how I see us and, and we're all in an army together and this church is a, a division of God's army. <laughs> uh, we're not quite a, um, a century. What are they called? Who knows the Roman yeah, centurions? Is that a hundred or is that a... Yeah, yeah. So we're not quite that size yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> now, uh, this, was, this was what I started to understand is that, that God speaks to us his truth and in his presence we know it's real and we see it and we can go for it um, but the devil what he wants to do is uh, <coughs> he wants to plant his darkness and his lies into our life to isolate us uh, <coughs> and he wants us to get in a place where the only voice that we can hear is his lies and we must avoid getting into that place as much as we can, that isolated place. Uh, and when I think, of, when, when I was thinking about, you know, uh, have you ever seen um, lions or crocodiles or any of those type, those ones who go around looking for someone to devour? You know, the, the ones you know you watch them on the animal programs, and and what they do is they stalk their prey, and you see all the cattle. You know what are they? Um, the, uh, the zebras or the um, uh, bison or, or those other ones, uh, um, you know what I'm talking about. And they all stick together and they run off and while they're together they're alright. But what do they look to do? They look to isolate one of the weak ones, get them away from the pack. And that, that's the devil's way. He's looking to isolate you from God. He's looking to isolate you from the people of God. And we, well, you need to understand that. It's so important that we understand that because once we understand that, we say, well, I'm not getting isolated. You won't get me on my own. You won't catch me on my own. And he, he, that's what he tries to do. And, and when, when is the time when the devil comes to Jesus? Yeah, yeah, well, I don't know, but I, I, I'm sure it's the, the main time that, that the devil comes to Jesus is when? When he's off on his own, when he's isolated and weak, he hasn't been eating. He's isolated and weak, off on his own. And that's the devil. The devil thinks, now, now's my If there's a chance, it's now. I'm going, I've got him. And I'm going, to, I'm going to speak all sorts of lies to him. And that's what he did. Uh, and I, I just want to encourage you this morning that God's word is so important, isn't it? Lies will get you in a mess. Uh, when you don't know the truth anymore, 
Well, you don't know where you're going anymore. If your sat-nav lied to you, you'd be lost. <laughs> uh, sometimes you do, don't they? They say, left turn here, and you're saying, there is no left turn. Yeah, you end up in someone's garden or the wrong, going on a wrong one-way street the wrong way when it's lying to you. But this is like, uh, this is like the devil, and, 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 and God's word is always the truth. That's what I love about it. You know, when God speaks something to you, it's always the truth. It's 100% the truth. And, uh, and the first key to keep him moving forward in the reassurance of God is God's word is the truth. And we must be filled with it. Uh, and it talks about... Uh, it, I want to just share some verses and some, some, some ideas of how you might feel. You might feel great right now, but I, I promise you, next, over the next three, six months or whatever, there's going to be times where you don't feel great. Because the truth is we don't always feel great. Even as Christians, we can feel down in the dumps. We can feel a bit like we're struggling. And you know what? Well, that's okay. Uh, <clears throat> And one thing that's going to be so important is that we know God's word. Uh, now, how about this? You can feel like this. You know, when the devil really gets hold of you, he, he wants to say things like this. You're rubbish. You're just rubbish. What? You're, you're useless. That's what he wants to say to you. And if you don't know any better, if you don't know the Bible... If you don't know God's word for you, well, you might listen. You haven't got any other voices to listen to. But yeah, our Bibles say, no, you're not. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? How about this? You're never going to be able to keep going with God. You might as well give up like you always do. You always quit. You might as well quit now. And if you look at yourself, what might you say? Well, I do always quit. I've never been good at anything. But yet there's another voice speaking to us, isn't there? The word of God, the truth. Philippians 1.6 says, uh, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion. He who started it, he's going to finish it. Amen? Amen? That's the truth, isn't it? So you can say, well, I, I've started on this journey with God, but he's not going to let me down. It doesn't matter if I fail. He's not going to fail me. And if you know that, well, then you've got something to fight with. You've got something to stand with, something to keep going with. Does that make sense? I can't do it. I'm a failure. <laughs> I feel like that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you can't do it. Yes, I can do it. Through Christ who strengthens me. Now, we need to know these things. Now, if we spend all our time listening to other voices, well, we haven't even got anything to reference. Now, when things get tough, you're going to need something to reference. You're going to need God's word to reference. So you must spend time in God's word somehow. You need to hear the truth, right? How about this? Because of my past, I'm a mess. I'm dirty. I'm not worthy. 
But 1 John 1, 7 says this, But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, uh, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And, and, and do you know what? We might say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm dirty, I'm a mess. No, you're not. Jesus has washed you clean. Don't you believe those lies? But the truth is, unless you know the word, how have you got anything to stand on? Sorry, I'm getting a bit excited, but I am excited, because this is real stuff. You know, if you're going to stand firm and not slip back and, um, and backslide, you're going to need something solid to stand on to make sure you don't slip. You need that rock to stand on. Jesus says, I am the rock. I am the word. I am the truth. They're all the same thing. And uh, it excites me. How about this? Ephesians 5, 26. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of water with the word. And you've got to let that word wash over you and clean you out time and time again. Because these lies come like, 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 um, like, like mud slung at something that's wet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It just, it just gets in there, doesn't it? It just gets in there and it sticks. And what you need to do is wash it out. And keep washing it out. And keep washing it out. And it talks here about God's word washing you clean. Uh, and I just want to encourage you. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Without God's word, how are you going to know where you're going? You need a light, you need a lamp, you need to see where you're going. Well, God's word, it will light your way. If you're like, I'm stuck, I don't... You know, because what I found in my Christian walk is, is, as I get to a point somewhere where I realise, do you know what, I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing, all I know is that I'm, I'm losing this battle. All I know is that I'm in a mess. And I find that I've not been spending time with God. I've not been spending time in his word. I've been spending time in the television. I've been spending time in, in reading magazines that I enjoy. I've been spending time doing this or that or whatever it is, but it's not God. And I just want to encourage you, that's the way to get lost. The way to, to, to keep moving forward in the light is, is to meditate on his word, day and night. Amen? Um, I just want to encourage you that uh, God is fantastic uh, and, and he is true to his word. And this is my experience. Now as a man... In the Bible, uh, a man named Gideon, and he was uh, he was the the youngest, weakest son of the weakest tribe, of the weakest family in the weakest tribe in Israel, who was the weakest nation, and were being absolutely ravaged by all these other tribes. They were coming and taking all their crops, burning all their fields and killing all their people. And do you know what they were doing at that time, the Israelites? They were um, hiding out in, in the mountains because no one wants to go in the mountains because it's rubbish. That's the place they were in. They were in, in a place of 
nothing grows, hiding, fearful. They were, they were in that place. And we can get in that place in our hearts sometimes, can't we? And yet, <clears throat> Gideon, the weak one, God comes to him. And what does he say? He said, you're a mighty warrior. I want you to go and, uh, you're going to go and save the people. You're a mighty warrior. Well, this is my conclusion. Sometimes how we feel isn't the truth. Well, that's, that's original. Because I'll tell you what, this society will tell you how you feel is exactly what's up. Do whatever you feel. How do you feel? It's all about how you feel. Well, the, the truth of God is how you feel isn't, you mustn't be driven by that, how you feel. You must be driven by the word of God. It's very, very dangerous to just do whatever you feel all the time. I tell you, if you want to get in a mess, do that. See how it works out for you. So how he felt, he didn't feel strong. He felt weak. In fact, he said, excuse me, God. And I, I quite like listening to Gideon and the way he talks with God. He sort of says, look, I'm sorry, God. Excuse me, do you mind just, just um, giving me some more reassurance? And he keeps saying it and God says, well, okay. And he said, wait, do you mind? Can you just wait there? I'm going to go back and I'm going to come back. And Can you just wait there? And then, and then I'll feel like maybe it's true. And God says, do you know what God says? And he waits. And Gideon comes back again and he reassures him. And Gideon says, okay, well, maybe this is God speaking to me. Uh, <clears throat> and then he moves forward and the next challenge, God's, you know, God asks him to do something and Gideon, the mighty man, the mighty warrior, said, oh, I can't do it because I'm scared of my family. I'm going to do it in the night when no one can see. And, but yet he does what God asks him to do and his faith grows in God. And God keeps speaking to him and he keeps saying, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. And as he listens to God, his, um, um, his belief and his vision in what God can achieve through him grows and it grows. And, uh, and it grows to such a point where God, God says, right, now it's time to go to the battle. And he knows Gideon well and Gideon, oh, no, no. And he says, right, what I want you to do is I want you to go down to their camp and I want you to listen to them, what they're saying. And he goes and hides and listens in the camp and then they prophesy that Gideon, son of so-and-so, will come and rampage the camp and win. And he says, ah, oh, now I believe God. God said that I should go down there and listen and I went and listened and guess what? God's true. He's true to his word. And his trust in God built and his vision for God built because he could hear God. He could hear God's word for him. Um, but he didn't believe it always. And this is the thing that I think we can, we can get to a point where we know all the verses. You ever felt like that? I know all God's verses. I know the truth. But God's word's over here and I'm over here. Uh, and I don't, I'm not connected with them. I'm not connected with the truth. And it's really hard. And I'm, I know that what the truth is, but it's not my reality. It's not where I'm up to. I'm, I'm down here in the valley and it feels like God's word's up there on the mountain. I can't even reach it. I sort of know it's true, but I'm just not, I'm not there. 
And this is, the, this is the thing that I found is Gideon received all his reassurance from God in God's presence. Does that make sense? It was only in God's presence that the reassurance came. It was only in God's presence that his heart and God's word did that. They locked together. They became one in God's presence. Now the only place that God's word and, and your heart are going to come together is in God's presence. You need God's presence to, to burn his word onto your heart and make it the word that is your truth, not just the truth. Now you can, you can feel very much like, um, you know, we know that the devil wants to isolate us. And you know what, when you're feeling down, I'll tell you this, when you're feeling down, the last place you want to go is church. <laughs> right? When you're feeling like, oh, I'm a failure, I've got so much sin in my life and no one cares about me. The last place you want to sit is in the presence of God. You don't want to be in the worship, you want the worship to finish. You sit there like that. That's what I do. <laughs> Arms crossed. Come on. Get on with it. I want to check Facebook on my phone. Anything to distract. Because, oh. But I tell you, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? Well, this is why we need to know this. God loves me. He loves me. He wants me in his presence. His whole, he sent his son to die just so I could come into his presence. You know, this bit of sin isn't going to stop me coming in. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you you can't come into God's presence because of the sin. You get in there and let Jesus wash you. That's what, I, that's what, I'm, that's what I want you to get hold of. Now, how can I get into God's presence? How can I get into God's presence? Well, there's so many ways to get into God's presence, but I just want to highlight a few. Spend time praying and reading. We know this, you know, every sermon comes down to these root facts. You've got to spend time with God. <laughs> and it's just another, another sermon, another way to say the same thing we need to get with Jesus. And that is, Holy Spirit, just come and just speak to us. You know, they're just words on a page aren't they? They're just words on a page till the Holy Spirit gets hold of you and then they come alive. Amen? So make room. Make room in your life. I'm feeling down. Well, I'm going to mope about. Sure. See how that works out for you. I'm feeling down. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. See how that works out for you. I'm, I, just, I just want to encourage you. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to beat you up. I want to encourage you. These are the other things. What does it say? It says, where, where one or two are gathered together, there I will be also. Is that not what God is saying? Look, I'm struggling. Well, I'm going to go and find another brother or sister in Christ and I'm going to stand with them and I'm going to say, God, come and speak to me. Find someone. Don't isolate yourself because those wolves are coming. <laughs> those wolves are coming for those who will stay on their own at home. And not find God. Not pick up the phone and call someone and say, Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, I'm struggling. Friend, I'm struggling. That's what we need to do when things get tough. I'll tell you what. 
God speaks to me. Do you know where he speaks to me? He speaks to me in the prayer meeting. I'll just go to the prayer meeting for me. A selfish man, eh? <laughs> but guess what? He does. I like to just sit there and soak it up. I get my phone out and I send myself texts of what I feel God's saying to me and they beep on my other phone because I forgot to turn it off. You know, but it doesn't matter. You know, get to the prayer meeting. You're struggling. The last thing you want to do on a Monday night when you're struggling is wolf down your dinner or forget your dinner and go to the prayer meeting. But it's what you need. You need that spiritual food. You don't need that, you don't need that um, McDonald's. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Midweek groups. This is another opportunity why two or three or five or ten are gathered together and God's presence is there. And you know what? Things will come clear for you. They will. And that's why I love midweek groups. Because I love being with God's people. And I love to hear something fresh from God. And I love to hear what other people have got to say about God. Not just the preachers on Sunday. I want to hear what other people in the church, what God's speaking to them. Maybe he's speaking that to me too. So get there. Uh, and uh, this is what Paul always used to say to us, Pastor Paul used to say, get your body in the right place and the rest will follow. And, and you know, when he used to do, I used to go and have a sleepover at Tim's house when I was young, right? And Paul used to come in at some stupid time in the morning, like nine o'clock, and used to be, come on, men of God, get up and pray. Get your body in the right place. That's what he used to say, and I used to go, all right, mate, I'm just going to have a little bit more of sleep. And Tim used to go, you know what Tim's like? Tim used to go, all right, Dad, as long as you make me a cup of coffee now, then I'll get up. He's always negotiating, Tim. But it, it, the truth is, if you can get your body in the right place, oh, what a difference it was, mate. I don't care if you fall asleep in the prayer meeting. I don't care if you fall asleep on Sunday morning. I'll tell you what, I remember I used to get so good at falling asleep on Sunday morning. I used to go, I could go morning, evening, I could fall asleep, and I could get my hand in the right place. I used to make sure that my head was directly behind somebody else's head so the preacher couldn't see me. I used to sit on the side and I used to put my hand up like this and I could see my eyes. It was only when I snored that it gave it away. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, I got hold of something. I might not have got all 45 minutes of the sermon, I got three. But God could still speak to you if you're in his presence and you hear his word. Don't worry about falling asleep. And we always used to go prayer meeting, and like we'd have those prayer meetings at Paul and Chris's house, and there'd be about three of us on those, you know, those big blue comfortable sofas, like, like that, like out cold, and someone would smack you around the back of the head, you know, come and wake up, and we'd all have a laugh at each other. But you know what? We would be finding God. Maybe just the snippets, but that's maybe all you need to keep moving forward and not start moving backwards. So just, I just want to encourage you. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. If you can get in with God, if you can get in with God's people, there's rest. Did you hear that? Will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, if you need a rest, get in His presence. That's what I say. You haven't got to try hard in God's presence. You just sit there and soak it up. That's the truth. If you need reassurance, like Gideon did, get in God's presence. It will come. Don't worry about trying hard. You know, don't go, oh, I've got to get out there and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. So I'll stuff all that lot. I'm going to go for God's presence. 
Psalm 92, 13. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They will be full of the sap and evergreen. Amen. Get yourself planted in the house of the Lord. In the courts of our God. Does that make sense? That's where you've got to make your home. For your heart, I'm talking about. No, don't try and come and live in the, in the link. It won't work out for you. <laughs> but I'm saying, get, get, get the, the living place of your heart in the presence of God. And this is the, the phrase that I wanted to come up with. God's word will register in your heart when you're in God's presence. It will register. It won't just be a word and a heart. It will be a word and a heart locked together. And that's what you need. That's where vision comes from. That's where confidence comes from. You know what I was thinking about? Some of the people that I know that are really confident, just confident people. I'm not saying they're talented or I'm not saying they're, um, you know, they're amazing at everything. But what I'm saying, people who've got confidence in God. Mark, Mark, you know, Mark Cross, he's got a lot of confidence in God. And I love that about him. But I know it comes from the fact that he spends loads of time with God. You know, when they were, were having uh, Alyssa, you know, she, there, were, there were a lot of worries at the time, weren't there? You know, that, that, that she would be okay. and Oh, you could worry about that. Mark wasn't worried. <laughs> he said, well, God said it's going to be fine, so it's going to be fine. Because he spent time in the presence of God and God spoke to him. And you were like, Mark, come on, mate, you need to be a bit more serious. He was serious, he was fine. And that's what we need. We need that reassurance that comes from God's word in the presence of God. Now, I think I've preached most of this already in these notes. <laughs> How am I doing for time, Joel? All right. You've only got another 40 minutes. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, want to I want to tell you about one more person. My favourite person. Peter. Uh, the disciple Peter. And you can find this story in John 21, but I'm going to just talk it through because that's, that's how I'm best, I think. Um, <clears throat> now, Peter, Peter uh, was with Jesus before Jesus died. And Jesus had said to him, look, Peter... Tough times are coming. You're going to deny me three times. Not me, God. Not me, Jesus. I'll be with you to the end. And that can be us, can't it? We are, oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. And Jesus is saying, look, you're going to deny me three times. But he said, don't worry. I've been praying for you. That you'll not be sifted. I'm sure it says that. Don't worry, I'm praying for you. I'm going and you see, look, Jesus is, Jesus, when Peter is in his prayer, Peter's not even listening, really. But Jesus is giving him this reassurance, you're going to mess up, but I'm there for you. I'm already praying for you. I'm on board for you. I love you. Even though you're going to mess up, he's giving him this reassurance. And Peter is in his presence, and sometimes we can be in God's presence, and we're just listening to our own voice and what we think. And if Peter had just taken a moment there and listened to Jesus, maybe he would have thought, okay, storm coming. And, uh, 
And, 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 and anyway, what happens? Well, he denies Jesus three times, doesn't he? He messes up royally. Royal screw-up. He lets him down, and he knows it bad. And, and uh, even though he followed, he followed the longest, all the other disciples abandoned him in the garden, didn't they? Except maybe John and Peter. They went, and they kept going right to the end, but then Peter let him down big time at the end, didn't he? Um, interestingly enough, it was when Peter was outside of Jesus' presence. He couldn't keep it going on his own, could he? He knew what the right thing was. He knew who Jesus was. He'd, when he was in Jesus' presence, he was able to say, you're the Messiah. He could see clarity at that moment, couldn't he? But when he was on his own, outside in the, the courts, and it was dark, and he was challenged by a, woman, a little woman slave, and he crumbled completely. And I'll tell you what, you, you might know God's word, but if you, were, if you have not been spending time in God's presence, you will not be able to stand. And Peter couldn't stand. Not at all. He collapsed. Oh, what disappointment. And then Jesus went to the cross and it just felt like it was all over, didn't it? It felt like it was all over. And this is, this is uh, my encouragement. What were they doing? Do you know what? Peter, one thing I love is those disciples, when they got together, they, they, were, they were people in there who were nothing like each other. They weren't, the type, they weren't from the same background. They weren't of the same intellect. They weren't the same anything. And you know what? After Jesus has gone, they still stuck together. They still stuck together. And Peter said, I'm going out on the boat. I'm going to go back. Do you know what he said? I'm going to go back to what I was doing before. Who's got in a low place? And said that, I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to my disappointments and what I used to do before. I'm going back to all that because it's all I've got. And this is what Peter was saying. I'm going to get back out of my boat and I'm going to go fishing. Because I'm a fisherman. I'm not anything else. And the other disciples, they said, well, we're coming with you. And that's what we need, don't we? And I'm talking about the church. Stick with the church is what, part of what I'm saying this morning. Stick with the church and you need to... That, that, I love that moment. We're coming with you. We'll come too. Only had his brothers around him. And that's what we need when we're struggling, when you're down. Get your brothers and sisters around you. Don't get on your own. And uh, they went out on that boat. Um, and there was someone on the shore. And what was he saying to them? Because they could catch no fish. He was saying this. Cast your nets out on the other side. Well, who's this? Well, surely, God, it was Jesus. And this is what Jesus already said to them before. So Jesus is saying what he's already said to them, and it was not registering. Peter's, they, do you know what they do? All right, then, I'm going to go on the other side. And do you know what? They didn't even recognize him. They weren't quite in his presence yet. We'll give them that. But then John, John on the boat says, This is Jesus! And this is what I love about Peter. Even though he's down in the depths of despair, in his heart, he knows he's let Jesus down so much. When he hears it might be Jesus. It might be Jesus. And, and it must have clicked at that moment when he heard that word Jesus. It must have clicked in his heart. Oh, look, the words he's just been saying, they're the words. It's Jesus. I know it's Jesus. He didn't care about the fish anymore. The fish didn't matter at that moment. He just, he just jumped out of the boat and he went for the shore. And he got to the shore and there was Jesus. Oh, fantastic moment. 
But and I, there's so many of us who would have heard that. It's Jesus. You won't want to talk to me. I've let him down. I'm just going to start on the boat and see if he comes to me. We can be like that as Christians, can't we? Oh, well, I'm a failure. I'm probably drowning in the water. Oh. Do you know what I mean? We can be like that. Oh. You know, but, but Peter really knew Jesus. And this is the key. If you know what Jesus is like, you know that when you're a mess up, the best place for you to go is to run back, straight back to him. Amen? Run straight back to him. Oh, and this is what I love about Jesus. He gets on the shore with Jesus. Now, before that, Peter had no, no hope, no way forward, absolute despair. That was where he, the place that he was in. He was in uh, back where he started. He was all the way back where he started. That's the place he was in. But when he got to the shore and he got in Jesus' presence, everything changed for him. And you know what? Jesus started talking to him. And in Jesus' presence, Jesus reconciled everything. I don't, it doesn't say that Peter said, oh, I'm really sorry. But it says that Jesus came and found him. And Jesus came and spoke to him. And he said, do you love me? And he said, do you love me three times? Peter knew what was going on. He knew he was forgiving him for the three times that he let him down. This is Jesus. All forgiveness. And when he finished with that, and Peter knew, oh, I'm forgiven. Jesus is, is alive. Oh, what a weight off my shoulders. And then Jesus does something else. What does he do? He says, feed my sheep. And straight away, what's Peter got? Peter's got a purpose. Peter's, Peter's got a future. Peter's got a task ahead of him. He's got a vision for what he's got to do. But who gave that to him? He found that in the presence of Jesus. And that's where you'll find your vision. You won't find it by trying hard or looking in a, in a, in a vision book or something that tells you how you should plan and, and, and build a five-point plan. That won't, that won't help you. What will help you is spending time in the presence of Jesus and a vision will come to you. Reconciliation will come to you. Reassurance will come to you. Forgiveness will come to you. Confidence. We talked about, who do we talk about? We talked about confidence. Confidence will come to you. Faith will build in your heart. And then you'll be moving forward. After that, Peter was oh, he's on fire, wasn't he? After that, he was like, you better get out of my way. I need to preach about Jesus. You know, and that's what we need. But it all comes from one place, doesn't it? It comes from knowing what God is saying and being in his presence. They're the two keys. So what's my encouragement? Get to the prayer meeting. Get to the midweek groups. Get down with your Bible. Shut your door. Oh, I've got kids and they need me. They don't need you as much as you need to be with God. In fact, if you're with God, your kids will benefit. <laughs> I shut them out this morning. In fact, I had a shower at them, told them to go down the other end of the room because I was preparing. But do you know what? I don't feel bad about that because I want my kids to know that God is important and spending time in God's presence is important. And as they grow, hopefully that will be something they have in their hearts. I've got a last... How am I doing now? Oh, right, let's get... I'll give you a couple more. You all right? Is everyone all right? I'll go, go a little bit long. All right, okay. 
I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> uh, right, <clears throat> I'll tell you a story, a cycling story. You'll enjoy this. Okay. Now, we went for a, I'll tell you, a load of us went for a, a long cycle. And we did a 100-mile route, and we started at Mark and, Mark and Alice's house. And we did 100 kilometers, and we went all the way around for hours and hours. It was about four or five hours. And um, on the way back, there was three of us that were the strongest ones. It was me uh, and Tim Cross and Mark Cross. And um, I thought, right, you know, we were at you know, Asda and Swanley. We were at Asda and Swanley, okay, around the back of Asda and Swanley. And I thought, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to race them. I'm going to see if I can get rid of them. And so I, I, I attacked up, up that hill around the back of Swanley Asda and I raced away and and uh, Mark, Mark and Tim, Tim didn't realise it was a race at that point. Me and Mark were fully aware of what was going on. And uh, Tim, Tim chased me down and Mark's, Mark, Mark sat behind him and, and got a little bit of uh, shelter from the wind. And then uh, after a while we went past where Aaron, uh, Aaron used to live. Uh, and uh, Mark, Mark uh, went really fast and, and he, he went up from, from Tim and he caught up with me. And uh, then we just very quickly decided that we were going to race away from Tim and we are going to stay away from him all the way back to our house. And, um, and so what we did is we, we worked together, okay? And, uh, oh, it was, and um, poor old Tim, who had been chugging away on his own for hours, chugging away, he was left behind chasing us. And me and Mark were like, we were like, we, every 10 seconds we were taking it in turns to go at the front and then protect each other and then keep going. We were encouraging each other all the time. Like, come on, keep going. We were like, come on, he's, he's getting further back. Keep going, keep going like that. And uh, Tim said to us after, he said, I could see you two in front. And I was so demoralised. I was thinking, you two, you scum, you've left me. And we were like, yeah, go on. And we were fighting and we went so fast. And me and Mark, we worked off absolute socks off and Mark was going I don't care about women winning I just want to make sure we stay away from Tim <laughs> and, uh, and and we made it and we, we raced and we raced and we raced all the way up Seven Oaks Way to the McDonald's and we got back to my house before Tim and Tim came back and he was pretty cheesed off but he tried not to show it he was like oh, I'm alright <laughs> and it was and it was great and he said it was so he said it was so hard to just watch you two working together while I was back there on my own. And I had nothing. And I, all I could do was try my best and watch, and it was so demoralising. And um, <clears throat> there's not really any conclusion to that story, I just wanted to tell it. <laughs> but this is what, and I want to talk about ministry for a minute now. If you're embarking on ministry, what I want you to do is I want you to think about that story a little bit partner with somebody. Me and Mark, we were partners in crime at that moment. And the crime was on Tim. But, but what, I want, what, I want to, what I want to say to you is you need a partner. You need partners in Christ if you're going to be successful. You want to go it alone, you're going to run out of steam. And, and if we look at the Bible, there, there was a clear model for this. This is not just Pat's good ideas. Look in the Old Testament. Moses. He had, he had Aaron, didn't he? Who did David have? David had Jonathan. 
in the most difficult time of David's life, he had Jonathan. That was the toughest time. He wasn't mature. He, he was cast out, and yet he had a real friend. Someone to partner with him. And what do we look into the New Testament? Paul, the, the, the best man at being alone, alone. And do you know what? When he was young in the Lord, what, what did he have? He had Barnabas, the encourager. The encourager. Yeah, the most encouraging guy you could get was the one who stood by his side. Uh, and uh, when, when, when that finished, God sent him more men. He sent him Silas, Titus, Timothy, Tychicus. But he loved that guy because he kept mentioning him in all the books. So what I'm saying is if you're, if you're looking to embark on ministry, if you're looking to do something for God, don't just go and do it on your own. You know, that's what the church is here for. That's what your brothers and sisters are here for. Find someone who will partner with you. You know what was really encouraging this morning? So I wasn't feeling that great about this yesterday. And uh, my friend rang me up and he was, he, he told me, oh, you're going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. And he told me all these things. He told, told me about it. And he said, that's going to be really good. And I thought, well, maybe it will be. And uh, another friend, I texted him. I said, like, I'm not feeling it. And he said, he said, don't worry about it. He said, just rest. You're going to be fine. And I thought, all right. And you know, it encouraged me to keep going. And this morning, Grace came up and said, I've been praying for you. And I thought, well, if Grace has been praying for me, then God's going to use this this morning. Amen. You know, but it's encouraging and we need it. I haven't really got anything else to say. But God is, you need God's word, you need his truth. But you need God's presence. You must be in God's presence. You must find his presence. And the church is the body of Christ. It's the most living version on this earth of Jesus. The body of Christ. That's a church. These people. Find yourself with them. Find yourself with them. That's my encouragement. Go to house group. Go to prayer meeting. Don't do what you feel like doing. Do what you, do what you know is going is to fuel you up. And keep you moving forward with God. And keep you free of all the things that drag you down and pull you back. Amen. Amen.